So, I want to talk about atheism. Um, I used to be an atheist. And I know the atheists out there will be surprised to hear that phrase. I'm not sure if they've ever heard that. I used to be an atheist. When I was an atheist, I don't remember hearing that very much. I heard a lot of people say that they used to be Christian or they used to be Muslim or they used to be Jewish or something, but now they're atheist. Actually, maybe Jewish. You can't, I don't think you can stop being Jewish. That's kind of a more than just a religion. Um, anyway, I heard a lot of people say they used to be Christian, but I didn't say, I didn't hear many people say they used to be atheist. I think there's a big migration nowadays away from religious belief. I think you can see that in, in statistics and research. And uh, that happened to me when I was a kid. I I was baptized. I in an Anglican church, and uh, I went to that church. My parents took me to church, and it was fine. I learned the, the biblical stories. There was no there was no uh, bigotry in the church I went to in my parents' church. It wasn't a one of those right winger churches that's very loud and opinionated. Um, it wasn't the kind of church that tried to convert people or change people. Just a nice group of people hanging out, reading the Bible. But uh, I was a kid and, and they told me all these stories about Jesus and God and how Jesus walked on water and how Jesus turned two fish into an amount of fish that could feed a whole community and how Jesus turned water into wine. It's funny how these stories stick in my mind. I think those are probably the least important things that Jesus did. If you believe Jesus was a real person. I don't really care that he walked on water. It's not that interesting. It's just a magic trick. Um, I care more about how he treated people and how he turned the other cheek and all those things, but that's not what I want to talk about right now. Um, yeah, so I heard all these stories about how Jesus did all these things and thought they were nice and I also heard that Santa Claus um, comes around every Christmas and delivers gifts through your chimney um, and I thought I don't remember ever believing in Santa Claus I think I automatically knew that Santa wasn't real as soon as I was old enough to think about whether or not Santa was real. 
And I think it's the same for, for Jesus and God. I, as soon as I was old enough to consider whether Jesus was real, I was like, oh, that's kind of like Santa. It must not be real. Um, but I kind of played along with it because I saw all the grown-ups playing along with it. Like I didn't think the grown-ups believed in Jesus either. I thought they were just pretending because they also pretended that Santa existed. You know, like my parents would buy me Christmas gifts and then put uh, from Santa on them. And I knew that they wrote from Santa because, it, you know, it's my dad's handwriting. So they pretended that Santa existed and they, I thought they also pretended that Jesus and God existed. So um, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe the right thing to do is to pretend Santa exists and, and pretend that Jesus exists. And that's what I'll do. Cause that's what all the grownups are doing. Um, but eventually I got to an age around 13 or 14 or something like that. And I, I heard the word atheism. I think I heard it on, on YouTube or something. Some, some YouTube atheist was talking about Christianity. And, uh, that's when I learned that there is a, such a thing as an atheist. Unfortunately, I, I learned that from a YouTube atheist who's very angry and tends to hate Christianity and is very loud in the way he says that. So I kind of caught on to that and started to started to hate the idea of believing something when you don't really know if it's true. Believing in Jesus when, or believing that Jesus walked on water when there's no reason to believe that that's actually possible. I started to hate the idea that people believed that. And, uh, and I, then I realized that people really did believe that like the people who went to the church I went to as a kid, they weren't pretending to believe in Jesus. Like I thought they were pretending. They actually believed in God and in, and that Jesus was the son of God. And, and that kind of blew my mind. It was like, wow, they really do believe these things. Um, yeah, so so I became an atheist and I learned about Richard Dawkins, who's the famous author of The God Delusion. And I learned about Sam Harris, who wrote The End of Faith. And I learned about Christopher Hitchens. I didn't read their books, but I watched a lot of their talks and debates on YouTube. There are many videos of atheists debating Christians and the atheists tend to win those debates because uh, atheism is very rational. You know, you can say, you could say that you, you don't believe in God because there's no evidence and that would be a true statement. There's no, I mean, there's no testable evidence. 
And if you're the kind of person who wants to be consistent and only believe things that are true, then you have to, you have to recognize that the, there's no testable scientific evidence for God, or at least if there is, well, that's a longer story. Scientific establishment would, would find a way to uh, suppress those experiments. They would find a way to critique them and say that the methodology is not right or something. But you can find a way to critique any experiment. Anyway, so I was an atheist. I learned all the atheist arguments. I learned how to destroy Christians. I learned that Pascal's wager is foolish, and I learned that Duh. Anyway, I learned all sorts of ways of of talking to Christians that make them look stupid. <laughs> and uh, that was that was a few years of of watching lots of atheist videos on YouTube and getting my atheist education. But one thing that didn't really happen as I was doing that was I didn't really learn anything that was useful in my everyday life. I mean, maybe I learned some skills around being skeptical and not just believing things that I hear. And uh, maybe that's a good thing to learn. Maybe I did learn a little bit about talk, about arguing and discussing things. And maybe I learned a little bit about constructing a, a well-thought-out argument. But I could have learned that a lot quicker. I think I learned that in the first few months of being an atheist and all the rest of that time was just uh, me congratulating myself on how right I was about how it's irrational to believe in a God. I never, I never um, said it was impossible that God existed but I just said it was not smart to believe in God. Anyway, so what changed? I, um, I came across indigenous ways of, of uh, talking about spirituality and experiencing spirituality. Well, for one, the first thing that happened was I came across Charles Eisenstein, who is an author and a speaker, and he, I really enjoyed what he said about a lot of things. I enjoyed what he said about climate change and, and all the different crises that we're facing as a society. He said the underlying crisis is is that of separation 
and that all the other cause uh, all the other crisis crises are caused by separation you know the climate crisis is caused by separation from nature and mental health crisis is caused by separation from ourselves and each other and yeah so i really liked how he said said those things and gave me a framework for trying to make the world a better more beautiful place because i could try to decrease the amount of separation in my life so i started to look look up to charles eisenstein and i watched a lot of his videos on youtube and started watching less of the atheist videos and so I liked him and then and then I came across videos of him or podcasts of him I don't remember which where he said things like alternative medicine is a good thing. And when I was an atheist I learned that being an atheist is not just about not believing in God. It's about not believing in anything that's outside of the scientific um, mainstream. So that means not believing in alternative medicine, not believing in uh, plant intelligence, not believing in uh, past lives, not believing in astrology, not believing in anything that's outside of scientific materialism. So Charles Eisenstein started saying, telling stories about alternative medicine and how there's stories of people who spend years in the, in the regular medicine trying to cure themselves and it never works. And then they find alternative medicine and then it works. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought Charles Eisenstein was smart. <laughs> Why does he believe in this stuff? Because I had, I had heard uh, James Randi or I'd seen a video of James Randi, who is a famous magician and and atheist, and he does a thing on stage where he eats a whole pack, a whole container of homeopathic sleep medication. And on the on the label of the medication, it says if you eat more than three of these, call the poison control. And he he eats the whole package, like fifty of them. And um, Because he knows how homeopathy works. And it's actually the sleep medication, homeopathy, like the stuff that is supposed to get you to go to sleep. The active ingredient in that is caffeine. And the more the, the logic of the homeopathy is that the more dilute the the concentration of the active ingredient so it's like one part per million of caffeine would be a would be a homeopathic sleep medication but one part per billion of caffeine is an even stronger homeopathic medication. So he got like one of the really strong homeopathic sleeping pills. And, but he knows that there's so little caffeine in it 
and that's the only active ingredient. So he knows it's harmless and he knows it's not going to put him to sleep. So he eats the whole container on stage. And so I had been educated about how alternative medicine is, is not real. But then I hear Charles Eisenstein talking about homeopathy and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were a smart person. And, and then I was like, okay, maybe he doesn't know much about homeopathy. Okay, whatever. Maybe he is a smart person and he just doesn't know that much. And then, and then he does a podcast where he says, he says, and I'm, I'm going to try to say it as, per, as closely to what he said as, as, I, as I can. He says that if you look at the evidence for past lives, the evidence is overwhelming. And I'm like, wait a minute. The whole thing about being an atheist is that you look at the evidence and here's a guy who's a smart guy. Like he, he went to Yale for mathematics. So here's a guy who's a smart guy and he's saying the evidence for past lives is overwhelming. What does that mean? And then, and then he starts talking about the evidence. And then I realized The evidence for anything can be overwhelming or it can be dismissed. I was noticing my atheist mind dismissing the evidence for past lives as anecdotal. That's one thing that atheists learn is that anecdotal evidence doesn't count. And what anecdotal means is that personal stories of people having, having personal experiences doesn't count as evidence for anything. So if you tell, if you do only, the only evidence that counts is scientific experiments in a lab with controls and methodology that's, that's um, in line with the scientific method and all the best practices in that. And so personal stories from people don't count. But I was starting to think that I, I could believe people. Like the story that Charles and his podcast guest told is that his, the guest of his podcast had a child. And that child, for some reason didn't want to play with guns at all and was afraid of loud noises like to a strange degree. And, and then he had like, every time there were fireworks, he was really scared. And then he, and then sometimes like he would have dreams or, or he would wake up early in the morning and say something strange, like, like, I don't want them to fire the cannon or something like that. I, I forget the exact story, but then there were lots of, lots of these things started piling up. And then, and then they figured out after some, some more research that he had a past life where he was 
um, a soldier in the, the American Civil War. And then everything made sense. And I was like, okay, one anecdote. I mean, probably coincidence, whatever. Lots of kids are afraid of fireworks. And then they said, told another story where a kid is growing up and he's really interested in planes. And then he took, he goes to a plane museum for the first time and sees a, an old World War II plane. And this kid who's like six years old starts to tell the, the tour guide in that plane museum about the plane. And the kid now knows more about the plane than the tour guide. And then, but that kid has never seen that plane before or done any research. And because the parents are pretty sure like he's never seen that plane before. And he knows things that the tour guide doesn't even know. And they figured out that in a past life he was he was someone who flew one of those planes. And so I couldn't really explain that away. I mean, I could say, oh, it's an anecdote. Like the kid probably did a bunch of research. But that's a really pessimistic way of being. You know, maybe, maybe the kid really had a past life. I mean, maybe that's the real simplest explanation. I mean, I just gave you two examples, but there are many. And at some point, the anecdotes pile up and they pile up and they pile up. And I still don't know if I believe in past lives, but... When the anecdotes just pile up, at some point you just have to believe that. I mean, atheists do this all the time when they when they believe in other things, as long as they conform to scientific materialism. You know, an atheist wouldn't question a study that said that, uh, I don't know, something about how maybe a study said something about how the brain is deterministic or something and there's no real such thing as consciousness or whatever i don't know or maybe there there's some kind of study that's that shows how um the brain is affected by damage and it confirms their their worldview that that human consciousness is in the brain which is the scientific materialist view. And they don't question that because it confirms their view. Only, only things that don't conform to their view get questioned. Anyway, and I learned a lot more. I found Rupert Sheldrake who did experiments about dogs who know when their owners are coming home, even though there's no physical way that they could know it. It must be some kind of uh, psychic thing where the dog suddenly perks up and sits by the door as soon as their owner gets in a cab halfway across town. Um, and other things like the sense that you know who's calling you. You ever pick up the phone and 
or your phone rings and you kind of know, you kind of think you know who's calling you. And then Rupert Sheldrake has done experiments on that. And there's a significant finding there. And anyway, so basically what I'm learning is that science is not the be all and end all of truth. And then what happened after that is someone said, why don't you behave as if spirits exist and now we're in now we're back in the indigenous culture because christianity is not really that spiritual anymore we could talk about that a lot but i'm 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 going from an indigenous point of view in canada and there's and they're saying just behave as if spirits exist and see what happens And, uh, well, things start to happen. Things definitely start to happen. And uh, it's hard to explain. But if you pray and you do the, the ceremonies with indigenous people who've been doing these ceremonies for thousands of years, Then, then you start to realize that things are less explainable than the scientific mainstream would, would have you believe. And there are forces that are mysterious. And I don't have any evidence for that other than anecdotal evidence from my own life. So here's one thing that happened right when I started to do this. And this is the first one, and there's many more that came after that. But this is the first thing that happened that I noticed that was kind of weird. So I'm starting to like pray and and pray to spirits, not, not the Christian God. I'm praying to spirits. I'm praying to trees and rivers and my ancestors. And I'm living in a place that has a window, a big window in front of my desk where I sit at my computer. And one day after three years of living there, one day a robin comes and kicks the window, a bird, a robin. And I have the air conditioner that sticks out the window, you know, those machines. And the, uh, the robin is standing on that that air conditioner i'm on the second floor the robin is standing on that air conditioner and then flies up and kicks the window and goes back to the air conditioner and flies up again and kicks the window and i'm like what are you doing and then i somehow i get this idea i get this sense that the robin is trying to tell me to stop wasting time on the computer watching youtube <laughs> and so i'm like fine okay and then i go out and, and then this happens again I go on YouTube or I go on the internet wasting time and the robin starts kicking the window again. And this happens again and again and again. After three years of living there, no robins have ever kicked the window. And now all of a sudden, every time I start wasting time on my computer, the robin starts kicking the window, telling me to stop. And I know that's an anecdotal piece of evidence. And it could be a coincidence. 
But what happens if you start believing that it's not, that there's something real here? What happened to me is, is pretty cool. So more on that story later. <laughs>